This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Hello there, Rocketeers. This is your host, Greg Webb. Before we get started with today's episode of Grandpa's Globe, I wanted to tell you two things. First, this episode is actually broken into two parts. Because the story got so big, I had to split it into two parts. So you'll hear part one today and part two next week. Now, the other thing I wanted to tell you about this story is about midway through creating it, the volcano in Hawaii started erupting. It's been devastating for the people there, and there have been evacuations. And this story has a lot of volcanoes in it. So even though I was halfway through working on this story, I almost scrapped it altogether just to be sensitive to what was going on. But then I realized this could be a good way to call attention to a crisis that's going on. So we will talk more about the volcano in Hawaii at the end of the episode and how you can support those who have been displaced or affected by it. 
And now, back to our episode. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Episode 15, Trouble in the South Pacific, Part 1. Here, hold still, Grandpa said, tucking a beautiful pink flower into Susie's hair. They were standing in Grandpa's study, surrounded by fluttering pages, their hair whipping in the gust of wind generated by the spinning globe next to them. It's a plumeria flower. What does it do? Susie asked, touching the soft petals above her ear. Pluck one of the petals, and it turns into a parachute. Awesome, Sawyer said. He reached up to touch the flower, but Susie swatted his hand away. Be careful, Grandpa warned. When I say parachute, I mean a real parachute. Don't hold it in front of your face when you pull the pedal, or you'll be blown into space. And I know it goes without saying, but please don't put it in your mouth. I've never heard of anyone doing that, but I can imagine its ugly consequences. Sawyer stared at the flower in awe. That'll blow us into space? Grandpa shook his head. Oh yeah, don't let him anywhere near it. Got it. Sawyer closed his eyes and held out his head. I'm ready, he said. For what? Grandpa huffed. For whatever my cool gadget is. Oh, um, let's see. Ah, yes. Here you go. Grandpa stuck what looked like a yellow marker behind Sawyer's ear. Excited, Sawyer grabbed it and looked it over. Ooh, ooh, let me guess. It's a marker that turns into a hovering motorcycle. Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. Then it's definitely a marker that turns into a rocket ship. (laughs) Oh, good thinking, Gramps. Wrong again. It's not a marker at all. After our last trip, I talked your parents into leaving me with an EpiPen. It's a shot you can give yourself if you ever have a severe allergic reaction to something. Which for you is everything. Sawyer deflated. Oh. Grandpa nudged them towards the globe, which looked about ready to spin off the table. Got your guidebook? Good. Dragon secret plans? Good. Plumeria parachute? Excellent. EpiPen? EpiPen? Good. I'll be waiting here until you get back. Be safe. We will, Susie said. She took Sawyer by the hand. Ready? Ready. (laughs) Susie touched the globe and they sucked into it. Seconds later, they were spinning to a stop on a rocky coast. Sawyer dizzily stood up and took a look around. They were on a jagged rock that spiked out into the ocean. Just inside the water, tiered rocky pools reflected the drifting clouds above. 
Sawyer thought they looked like rocky hot tubs begging to be jumped into. He was just about to give in to the temptation when he heard someone shout, Maloy Lele! They turned and saw a man dressed in a dark uniform decorated with medals. A tall golden crown rested atop his dark head and below it was a big smile. I said hello! Oh, hi! Susie replied. Sawyer waved at him, wondering what a king was doing way out here. It was weird seeing someone dressed so formal, so regal on the beach. Maybe they were in a country where everyone dressed like a king when they went to the ocean? I'm sorry, could you tell us where we are? Susie asked. The man looked at them confused. You don't know where you are? The twins shook their head. You are at Mapuavea, one of Tonga's greatest treasures. Susie's eyes grew wide. We're in Tonga? She said, taking another look around. What is Mapuavea? Sawyer asked. The king smiled at him and then pointed to the water. Go sit in that pool over there and you'll find out. But hurry. Sawyer thought the request was a little weird, especially the part about needing to hurry, but he wasn't about to turn down an opportunity to jump into a natural pool. He imagined it being warm and toasty, like the hot springs his family visited on their trips to the mountains. Holding on to the thought of the hot springs, Sawyer jumped into one of the tiered pools. When he resurfaced, he splashed around a bit. It's definitely not hot like I was hoping, but it isn't bad. It's kind of nice, actually. A geyser of water shot Sawyer out of the pool and sent him flying into another one. Splash! The king laughed and laughed from the shore. As he delighted in his joke, another wave came crashing in. As it did, more water burst from the pools, blasting Sawyer up out of the water like a human cannonball. Splash! Splash! With every crashing wave, he popped out of the water, flailed in the air and made a sissy squealing sound, and then splashed into another pool. Finally, he managed to outswim the next wave and make it to shore. What the heck are those things? He cried as Susie helped him up. The king patted him on the shoulder. Those, my friend, are blowholes. When the waves come crashing in and slam into the reef, the water shoots up natural channels in the volcanic rock and up into the air. <laughs> he mimicked Sawyer's flailing. Sawyer didn't find it very funny. Are you a king? Susie asked. What gave it away? The king said sarcastically. He fixed his leaning crown and held out a hand. I am Koloa, king of the kingdom of Tonga. Sawyer and Susie shook his hand. I'm Susie. This is my brother Sawyer. We're just here to explore the islands. King Koloa looked around. Without your parents? Sawyer and Susie glanced at each other. Um, they're busy, Sawyer said, unable to think of a better excuse. You'd think after so many trips he would have been able to come up with something more believable by now. Maybe he should have told him that his parents were kidnapped by dolphins. Kaloa shook his head. Parents these days. 
What do you want to explore? You caught me on my vacation. And after staring at blowholes for a few hours, being a tour guide sounds far more interesting. Before answering the question, Susie flipped open the guidebook to the chapter on Tonga. Words faded onto the page under her finger. Ask the king about Tonga and gain his trust, it read. It was an unusual set of instructions. Not at all what Susie was expecting, but at least they were easy to follow. How about you tell us a little about Tonga? She said, looking up from the page. King Kaloa's big, friendly face grinned. I'd love to. Let's see where to start. The Kingdom of Tonga is a country made up of 170 islands, only 36 of which are inhabited by our people. Our two main languages are Tongan and English, and we're known for our incredible beaches and friendly people. The capital where you'll find my palace is called Nukualofa. And on and on he went. Susie and Sawyer had to barely ask him a single question to get him going. From then on, all they did was listen, nod, and absorb the unbelievable amount of information being dumped on them. Sawyer kept trying to jump into the one-man conversation, but could hardly find a long enough breath to get a word in. Finally, Kaloa paused. This was Sawyer's chance. We're from America, was all he could think to say. There were at least a hundred other things he really wanted to say, but he'd forgotten them all, and this was all that came out. Ah... Kaloa said. Anyway, in Tonga, our national sport is rugby. It's much like your game of football, but far more interesting. Rugby players don't wear helmets, and they have to pass, kick, or carry the ball into the end zone. And on and on he went. On and on and on. Susie tried to glance down at the next set of instructions without being rude. Um, King Kaloa, sorry for interrupting she said. Kaloa stopped mid-sentence. Yes? Well, that was easy. Why didn't Sawyer think of that? Could you please take us to the Cow Volcano? Susie asked. King Kaloa thought for a moment and then smiled. Girl with the pretty flower in her hair. It's Susie. You are my friend. And any friend of mine who is this interested in Tonga deserves to be taken to Cow, in Tiltalupe, the royal yacht. It's docked right over there. Sawyer and Susie looked and saw a big, beautiful boat floating off the coast, white with slick, long-tinted windows and several tall antennae. It looked like something straight out of a spy movie. The twins followed the king to the boat, Susie knew they weren't supposed to follow strangers, but their grandpa told them that the guidebook would never lead them astray, and to trust it, no matter what. Besides, she had the parachute flower she could blow up if he turned out to work for the dragon. Luckily, Susie didn't have to worry. King Kaloa was friendly. The only downside was that he just talked and talked and talked the whole ride there. The twins could barely take in the incredible views of the Tongan Islands for fear of not paying attention and offending him. After being lectured on thousands of years of Tongan history, they docked at the foot of the Cow Volcano. Where's the volcano? Sawyer asked, stepping onto shore. This is it, 
Kaloa told him. The island is a volcano. Sawyer and Susie looked up at the giant green mountain that seemed to float on the ocean's surface. It was huge. A thick blanket of jungle ferns covered the base of the volcano, gradually changing to tall grass towards the top. Sawyer randomly pictured himself zipping down the side of it in a wagon. He bet he could get up to a hundred miles per hour before it flattened out. His daydream was interrupted by a sudden rumble. The three of them braced themselves as the ground shook beneath them. What's happening? Sawyer cried. Impossible! Kaloa shouted. The volcano is starting to erupt! Above them, at the top of the volcano, smoke billowed up into the sky like a massive green chimney. Sawyer had seen what happens when Science Project volcanoes erupted. They spewed nasty foam all over the mountain. A mountain they were now standing on. I think a boat ride sounds nice, Sawyer shouted over the commotion. Susie agreed and was about to turn and run for it, but then she saw something. There was a man dressed in black, running through the tall jungle ferns up ahead. Where was he going? Why wasn't he running away from the volcano? Susie hesitated and then ran after him. Susie, where are you going? Sawyer called after her. Susie ran into the ferns and then stopped behind a big rock. Peeking over the side of it, she saw the man dressed in black standing in front of a big metal box that looked wedged into the side of the volcano. Dials and switches covered all of its sides, and the man in black was frantically typing into a keyboard below a screen. Then she noticed it. The dragon patch on his shoulder. She'd seen it time and time again. What was the dragon doing all the way out here? A thunderous boom shattered the sky above her. She looked up and saw an explosion of smoke and rock spew out of the volcano. Susie turned and ran for it. Smoking hot rocks crashed down all around her, flattening ferns and trees and bursting into sizzling chunks. Sawyer bumped into her on her way back, and together they ran back to the king's yacht. As the boat pulled away, fiery rocks smoked down from the sky and splashed into the water next to them, sizzling as it hit. After a few minutes of running the yacht's engine at full speed, they were out of danger. Where are those plans? Susie said, sitting down to catch her breath. She reached into her backpack and pulled out the folder with the dragon symbol. You think the dragon has something to do with this? Sawyer asked. I know they do, Susie told him. I saw one of their henchmen working on some big device on the volcano. Whatever he was doing, I'm sure it had something to do with that volcano's eruption. King Kaloa looked shell-shocked. His many medals jingled as he plopped down into a big chair across from them. Are you saying that someone is behind this? he asked. They're called the Dragon, Susie explained secretly known as the Nogard crime family. They have operations all over the world, and we're on a mission to stop them. Kaloa sat up. You kids are here to stop a crime family that's blowing up my volcano? Sawyer and Susie nodded. Okay, Kaloa said, hardly believing what he was hearing. What do we do? I'm not sure yet, 
Susie said, looking back down at the plans. Let's see if I can find something on volcanoes in here. After flipping through dozens of pages, she stopped on one with a drawing of a volcano, and next to it, a detailed blueprint of the weird metal box she'd seen back on Cow. There was a sketch of a different volcano on the next page. Next to it, in small, hard-to-read print, was the word Samoa. Then another drawing of a volcano, this one labeled Fiji. Susie flipped back and studied the page that had details of the weird box contraption. It's like they're trying to capture the power of an erupting volcano and maybe turn it into a weapon somehow, she said. That big box I saw is some sort of controller that allows them to plug into the volcano and make it erupt. Sweet mercy, Kaloa muttered. And that isn't the only one, Susie continued. There's one in Samoa and Fiji, too. We have to warn them, Kaloa exclaimed. Do we know which volcanoes they're controlling? Susie nodded. I think so. I'll warn my people in the nearby islands, Kaloa said. You go to King Lua of Samoa and warn him. Keep the boat. I'll take the helicopter. Deal, Susie said. Without wasting another minute, King Kaloa took off on his helicopter from the landing pad atop the yacht, while the captain set his course for Samoa. On the way there, Susie read a bit about their destination in the guidebook. Both Samoa and the Republic of Fiji are made up of a series of islands just like Tonga, she read aloud. In Samoa they speak Samoan, and in Fiji they speak Fijian, but both countries also speak English. Samoa is known for its beautiful, lush scenery and friendly people. People in Polynesia call them the happy people. Fiji is world-renowned for its pristine beaches and coral reefs. Anything about the volcanoes? Sawyer asked. Just the names of them. The guidebook is telling us to go to the Samoan king first. Before long, they were docked in Apia, the capital of Samoa. Rolling hills of dense tropical trees spanned the backdrop of the city. Waiting to greet them on shore was a gray-haired man wearing a lava-lava, a skirt-like clothing traditional to the people of the Polynesian islands. His right arm was full of tattoos of intricate shapes and designs. The man looked surprised to see two kids stepping off the yacht. "'You are not King Kaloa,' he said, walking up. "'Sorry to disappoint,' Sawyer replied dryly. The king laughed and patted Sawyer on the back, which about knocked him on his face. "'I'm not disappointed. Quite the opposite.' I've been babysitting my grandchildren today, and am this close to abandoning my crowd and sailing away. But a couple of noisy American children would be a great distraction. I'd rather see you than King Koloa any day. Why's that? Sawyer asked. Ah, let's just say Koloa and I have unresolved business. He refuses to come clean on something I know he did, and instead of coming to me and admitting what he's done, he floats around in his pleasure yacht. Oh. But King Koloa sent us to tell you... Susie stopped as the king put a flower necklace over her head. Shh! Enough talk of Koloa. You are in King Lua's land now. Here we treat you far better than the Tongans. Come, come, let us celebrate. Lalago, bring the grandchildren. 
In no time, the king had thrown together a huge party. Sawyer and Susie were seated in tall chairs, and ceremonial headdresses called tuigas were placed on their heads. They were tall and full of colorful feathers. Susie thought they looked like big tropical birds that swooped down and perched themselves on their heads. Then the king had his people bring them rich, delicious Samoan foods. First they were served fa-papa, a sweet coconut bread. Once that was scarfed down, they ate palusami, solidified coconut milk roasted inside taro leaves. Then, to top it all off, they ate dessert dumplings called kopai, made with coconut cream and caramel. Sawyer ate every last bite. He never knew the coconut could be turned into so many amazing things. The party didn't end there. After the feast, they sat on mats on the white sandy beach in front of a fire, surrounded by swaying palm trees, and treated to Samoan songs and dances. Women with flowers in their hair did the siva, a graceful dance with careful steps and slow, smooth arm movements. Then came a faster slap dance from the men called Fa'adaupati. They yelped and cheered as they clapped and patted their chest and legs in synchronized rhythm. Their ulafala necklaces, made of dried pandanus tree fruit and dyed red, bounced around their necks. Caught up in the excitement of the moment, Sawyer tried to join them, but tripped over himself when he tried clapping under his leg. Afterwards, King Lua took them and his grandchildren to the Afuau waterfall so they could swim. The second they all saw the natural rainforest pool, they dove into it. Sawyer and Susie had a great time playing with King Lua's grandkids. Together they laughed and splashed under the waterfall that poured down through the dangling greenery. They were having such a blast that Sawyer and Susie had forgotten why they'd come to Samoa in the first place. It wasn't until Susie stopped and listened to the roaring sound of the waterfall that she remembered roaring just like the erupting volcano on Tonga. The volcano! King Lua! Susie shouted from the pool. Yes? Lua answered from a reclined chair on shore. King Kuloa wanted us to come warn you that Mount Motovanu is going to erupt. The king closed his eyes as he relaxed with his hands behind his head. Yes, yes, King Koloa is so thoughtful that he wanted to warn me about our volcano erupting. He sprang up in his chair. Our volcano is going to erupt? Susie jumped out of the water. We, we tried to tell you. The king of Tonga told you to warn me? King Lua clarified. Yeah, Sawyer said, stepping out of the water. And you better do something quick because it's being turned on by some really bad people. King Lua was speechless. He couldn't believe that King Koloa would help him. Not after all they'd been through. And what did they mean bad people were turning on his volcano? A loud thunderous rumble made him snap back to reality. In the distance, a giant cloud of smoke and fire rose above the hilltops. It was happening. The volcano was erupting. He turned to his guards with a look of desperation. Have the area evacuated immediately, he ordered. He turned back to the twins. Where do you want my people to take you? He asked them, the volcano erupting in the distance behind him. 
Villagers screamed and ran for their boats. Susie looked down at the guidebook's next set of instructions. Take us to Fiji. Hey, Rocketeers. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Grandpa's Globe. Like I said at the beginning of the story, I almost scrapped this episode because I was writing it right as Hawaii's Kilauea volcano started erupting. There are fissures in the earth emitting toxic fumes and lava and destroying homes and other structures, and people have been evacuated. So first of all, I want to say my thoughts and prayers go out to all those who've been affected by this eruption, and I thought I'd finish this episode because I thought it was a good way to bring attention to what's going on with the Kilauea volcano, and to remind everyone of the real threat that volcanoes pose to so many people throughout our world. Those people in Hawaii need our help. So if you'd like to donate and help those victims who've been displaced, there are a couple ways you can do it. You can do it through the American Red Cross website, or by calling 808-739-8109. There's also a donation page set up on the Public Good website at publicgood.com. You can search for the Hawaiian volcano there. My heart goes out to those who've been affected by this unbelievable event. Just know that our prayers are with you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Grandpa's Globe, which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of this episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.